0: Volume One, Chapter Eleven of Emmeline, The Orphan of the Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Emmeline, The Orphan of the Castle by Charlotte Turner Smith, Chapter Eleven notwithstanding the steadiness emmeline had hitherto shewn in rejecting the clandestine addresses of delamere he still hoped they would succeed a degree of vanity pardonable in a young man possessing so many advantages of person and fortune made him trust to those advantages and to his unwearied assiduity to conquer her reluctance he determined therefore to persevere and did not imagine it was likely he could again lose sight of her by a stratagem against which he was now on guard as he fancied lord montreville and his sister designed to carry her with them when they went he kept a constant eye on their motions and set his own servant and fitz edward's valet to watch the servants of lord montreville fitz edward who had been so near losing the confidence of both the father and son found it expedient to observe a neutrality which it required all his address to support being constantly appealed to by them both lord montreville he advised to adhere to moderate measures and gentle persuasions and to trust emmeline's own strength of mind and good conduct while to delamere he recommended dissimulation and advised him to quit swansea at present which would prevent emmeline's being removed from thence and leave it in his power at any time to see her again lord montreville on cooler reflection was by no means satisfied with fitz edward to encourage his son's project and even to accompany him in it in the vain hope of detaching him from emmeline before an irrevocable engagement could be formed seemed to be at least very blamable and if he had seen the connection likely to take place on a less honourable footing his conduct was more immoral if not so impolitic either way lord montreville felt it so displeasing that he determined not to trust fitz edward in what he now meditated which was to remove emmeline from swansea before he and his daughter quitted it and to place her with the sister of mr stafford who being now arrived had engaged to obtain his sister's concurrence with their plan a female council therefore was held on the means of emmeline's removal and it was settled that a post-chaise should on the night fixed be in waiting at the distance of half a mile from the town where emmeline should meet it and that a servant of mr stafford should accompany her to london who was from thence to return to his master's house in dorsetshire this arrangement being made three days after the arrival of lord montreville and his faithful old valet being employed to procure the chaise the hour arrived when poor emmeline was again to abandon her little home where she had passed many tranquil and some delightful days and where she was to bid adieu to her two beloved friends uncertain when she should see them again her friendship for mrs stafford was enlivened by the warmest gratitude to her she owed the acquisition of much useful knowledge as well as instruction in those elegant accomplishments to which she was naturally so much attached but which she had no former opportunity of acquiring the charms of her conversation the purity of her heart and the softness of her temper made her altogether a character which could not be known without being beloved and emmeline whose heart was open to all the enchanting impressions of early friendship loved her with the truest affection the little she had seen of augusta delamere had given that young lady the second place in her heart they were of the same age within a few weeks augusta delamere extremely resembled the mowbray family and there was in figure and voice a very striking similitude between her and emmeline mowbray lady montreville passionately attached to her son as the heir and representative of her family and partial to her eldest daughter for her great resemblance to herself seemed on them to have exhausted all her maternal tenderness and to have felt for augusta but a very inferior share of affection of the haughty and supercilious manners which made lady montreville feared and disliked she had communicated no portion to her younger daughter and if she had acquired something of the family pride her good sense and the sweetness of her temper had so much corrected it that it was by no means displeasing elegantly formed as she was and with a face which though less fair than that of emmeline was almost as interesting her mother had yet always expressed a disapprobation of her person and she had therefore herself conceived an indifferent opinion of it, and being taught to consider herself inferior in everything to her elder sister, she never fancied she was superior to others, nor though highly accomplished and particularly skilled in music, did she ever obtrude her acquisitions on her friends or anxiously seek opportunities of displaying them. Her heart was benevolent and tender, and her affection for her brother, the first of its passions she could never discover that he had a fault and the error in regard to emmeline which his father so much dreaded appeared to his sister a virtue she was deeply read in novels almost the only reading that young women of fashion are taught to engage in and having from them acquired many of her ideas she imagined that delamere and emmeline were born for each other though she dared not appear to encourage hopes so totally opposite to those of her family she found after she had once seen and conversed with emmeline that she never could warmly oppose an union which she was convinced would make her brother happy she fancied that emmeline could not be insensible to delamere's love she even believed she saw many symptoms of regard for him in her manner and that she made the most heroic sacrifice of her love to her duty when she resigned him a sacrifice which heightened almost to enthusiasm the pity and esteem felt for her by augusta delamere and though they had known each other only a few days a sisterly affection had taken place between them but from these two friends so tenderly and justly beloved emmeline was now to depart and to be thrown among strangers where it was improbable she would meet with any who would supply the loss of them her duty however demanded this painful effort and she determined to execute it with courage and resolution delamere was so perpetually about his father that it was judged improper for him to hold any private conference with emmeline lest something should be suspected his lordship therefore sent her by mrs stafford a bank-note of fifty pounds with his thanks for the propriety of her conduct and an assurance that while she continued to merit his protection he should consider her as his daughter and take care to supply her with money and everything else she might wish for he desired she would not write lest her hand should be known and her abode traced but said that in a few weeks he would see her himself and wished her all possible health and happiness on the night of her departure instead of retiring to rest at the usual hour emmeline dressed herself in a travelling dress and passed some melancholy hours waiting for the signal of her departure at half-past two in the morning everything being profoundly quiet she saw from her window her two friends who had declared they would not leave her till they saw her in the chaise she took with her only a small parcel of linen mrs stafford having engaged to forward the rest to an address agreed upon and softly descending the stairs for fear of alarming mrs watkins she opened the door and each of her friends taking an arm they passed over two fields into a lane where the chaise was waiting with the servant who was to go with her the tears had streamed from her eyes during the little walk and she was unable to speak the servant now opened the chaise door and let down the step and emmeline kissing the hand of mrs stafford and then that of augusta delamere went hastily into it god bless you both said she in a faint and inarticulate voice the servant shut the door mounted a post-horse and the chaise was in an instant out of sight while the two ladies who at any other time would have been alarmed at being obliged to take so late a walk thought not of themselves but full of concern for poor emmeline went back in tears and miss delamere who had agreed to remain the rest of that night at the lodgings of mrs stafford retired not to rest but to weep for the departure of her friend and the distress of her brother emmeline thus separated from everybody she loved pursued her journey melancholy and repining the first hour she wept bitterly and accused her destiny of caprice and cruelty but though to the unfortunate passion of delamere she owed all the inconvenience she had lately experienced she could not resolve to hate him but found a degree of pity and regard perpetually mingled itself with his idea in her heart yet she was not in love and had rather the friendship of a sister for him than any wish to be his wife had there been no impediments to their union she would have married him rather to make him happy than because she thought it would make herself so but she would have seen him married to another and have rejoiced at it if he had found felicity an attachment like his which had resisted long absence and was undiminished by insuperable difficulties could hardly fail of having its effect on the tender and susceptible mind of emmeline but whatever affection she felt it by no means arose to what a romantic girl would have perhaps fancied it and she was much more unhappy at quitting the dear augusta than at the uncertainty she was in whether she should ever again see Delamere. the parting was extremely embittered by the prohibition she had received in regard to writing to her but painful as it was she determined to forbear and steadily to adhere to that line of duty however difficult to practise that only could secure the peace of her mind by the acquittal of her conscience which as she had learned from mrs stafford as well as from her own experience short as it was could alone support her in every trial to which she might be exposed she reflected on her present situation compared to what it would have been had she been prevailed upon to become the wife of delamere against the consent of his family splendid as his fortune was and high as his rank would raise her above her present lot of life she thought that neither would reconcile her to the painful circumstance of carrying uneasiness and contention into his family of being thrown from them with contempt as the disgrace of their rank and the ruin of their hopes and of living in perpetual apprehension lest the subsiding fondness of her husband should render her the object of his repentance and regret the regard she was sensible of for delamere did not make her blind to his faults and she saw with pain that the ungovernable violence of his temper frequently obscured all his good qualities and gave his character an appearance of ferocity which offered no very flattering prospect to whosoever should be his wife by thus reasoning with herself she soon became more calm and more reconciled to that destiny which seemed not to design her for delamere she met with no remarkable occurrence in her journey and on the evening of the third day arrived in town where the servant who attended her was ordered to dismiss the chaise and to procure her an hackney coach in which she proceeded to the house of mrs ashwood this residence situated in a populous village three miles from london bore the appearance of wealth and prosperity the iron gate which gave entrance into a large court was opened by a servant in a laced livery to whom emmeline delivered the letter she had brought from mrs tafford and after a moment's waiting the lady herself came out to receive her emmeline by the splendour of her dress concluded she had left a large company but being ushered into the parlour, found she had been drinking tea alone, of which, or of any other refreshment, Miss Mowbray was desired to partake. Her reception of her visitor was perfectly cordial, and Emmeline soon recovering her easy and composed manner, Mrs Ashwood seemed very much pleased with her guest, for there was in her countenance a passport to all hearts. Mrs Ashwood, though not in the bloom of life, and though she never had been handsome, was so unconscious of her personal disadvantages that she imagined herself the object of admiration of one sex and of the imitation of the other with the most perfect reliance on the graces of a figure which never struck any other person as being at all remarkable she dressed with an exuberance of expense and kept all the company her neighbourhood afforded where her ruling passions the love of admiration and excessive vanity did not interfere she was sometimes generous and sometimes friendly but her ideas of her own perfections both of person and mind far exceeding the truth she had often the mortification to find that others by no means thought of them as she did and then her good-humour was far from invincible though emmeline soon found her conversation very inferior to what she had of late been accustomed to she thought herself fortunate in having found an asylum, the mistress of which seemed desirous of making it agreeable, into which she was introduced by the kindness of her beloved Mrs. Stafford. But while serenity was returning to the bosom of Emmeline, that of poor Delamere was torn with the cruellest tempest. The morning after Emmeline's departure, Delamere, who expected no such thing, arose at his usual hour, and rode out alone, as he had frequently done as he passed her window he looked up to it and seeing it open concluded she was in her room on his return his father met him and asked him to breakfast but he designed to attend the tea-table of mrs stafford where he thought he should meet emmeline and therefore excused himself and lord montreville who wished the discovery to be delayed to as late an hour of the day as possible let him go thither where he breakfasted and then proposed a walk to mrs stafford which he hoped would include a visit to emmeline or at least that mrs stafford would not walk without her she excused herself however on pretence of having letters to write and delamere went in search of fitz edward whom he could not find it was now noon and he grew impatient at not having had even a glimpse of emmeline the whole morning when he met fitz edward's man and asked him hastily where his master was the man hesitated and looked as if he had a secret which he contained with some uneasiness sir said he have you seen miss Mowbray to-day no why do you ask because sir said the fellow i shrewdly suspect that she went away from here last night i can't tell your honor why i thinks so but you may soon know the truth on it the ardent imagination of delamere instantly caught fire he took it for granted that fitz edward had carried her off and without staying to reflect a moment he flew to the inn where his horses were and ordered them to be saddled then rushing into the room where his father and sister were sitting together he exclaimed she is gone sir emmeline is gone but i will soon overtake her and the infamous villain who has torn her from me lord montreville scorned to dissimulate he answered i know she is gone and it was by my directions she went you cannot overtake her nor is it probable you will ever see her again endeavor therefore to recollect yourself and do not forget what you owe to your family and yourself delamere attended but little to this remonstrance but still prepossessed with the idea of fitz edward's being gone with her he swore perpetual vengeance against him and that he would pursue him through the world with this resolution on his lips and fury in his eyes he quitted his father's apartment and at the door met fitz edward himself coming to inquire after him he was somewhat ashamed of the hasty conclusion he had made and was therefore more disposed to hear what fitz edward had to say who presently convinced him that he was entirely ignorant of the flight of emmeline delamere now insisted that as a proof of his friendship he would instantly set out with him in pursuit of her fitz edward knew not what to do but however seemed to consent and saying he would order his servant to get his horse left him and went to lord montreville to whom he represented the impracticability of stopping delamere his lordship almost certain that emmeline was out of the possibility of his overtaking her as she had now been gone thirteen hours thought it better for fitz edward if he could not prevent his departure to go with him but he desired him to make as many artificial delays as possible delamere in the meantime had been to mrs stafford and tried to force from her the secret of emmeline's route, but she was inexorable and proof against his frenzy as well as his persuasion she held him however as long as she could in discourse but when he found she only tried to make him lose time he left her in an agony of passion and mounting his horse while his trembling servants were ordered to follow him on pain of instant dismission he rode out of the town without seeing his father leaving a message for fitz edward that he had taken the london road and expected he would come after him instantly lord montreville entreated fitz edward to lose not a moment in bidding an hasty adieu to his lordship he ordered his horses to the door of mrs stafford where he took a formal leave of her and her husband entreating permission to renew his acquaintance hereafter then getting on horseback he made as much speed as possible after delamere whom with difficulty he overtook some miles forward on the london road this way delamere had taken on conjecture only but after proceeding some time he had met a waggoner whom he questioned the man told him of a post-chaise he had met at four o'clock in the morning and encouraged by that to proceed he soon heard from others enough to make him believe he was right the horses however at the end of forty miles were too much fatigued to keep pace with delamere's impatience he was obliged to wait three hours before post-horses could be found for himself and fitz edward his servants were obliged to remain yet longer and the horses which were at length procured were so lame and inadequate to the journey that it was six hours before they reached the next stage where the same difficulty occurred and delamere between the fatigue of his body and anxiety of his mind found himself compelled to take some rest the next day he still traced emmeline from stage to stage and imagined himself very near her but the miserable horse on which he rode being unable to execute his wish as to speed an urge beyond his strength fell with him in a stage about sixty miles from london by which accident he received a contusion on his breast and was bruised so much that fitz edward insisted on his being blooded and put to bed and then went to the apothecary of the village near which the accident happened and procuring a phial of laudanum infused it into the wine and water which delamere drank and by that artifice obtained for him the repose he otherwise would not have been prevailed on to take after having slept several hours he desired to pursue his journey in a post chaise but fitz edward had taken care that none should be immediately to be had by these delays only it was that emmeline reached london some hours before him however when he renewed his journey he still continued to trace her from stage to stage till the last postillion who drove her was found he said that he was ordered to stop at the first stand of coaches into one of which the lady went and with the servant behind drove away but the lad neither knew the number of the coach or recollected the coachman or did he remember whither the coach was ordered to go delamere passed two days questioning all the coachmen on the stand and in consequence of information pretended to be given by some of them he got into two or three quarrels by going to houses they pointed out to him and after offering and giving rewards which only seemed to redouble his difficulties he appeared to be farther than ever from any probability of finding the fair fugitive he so anxiously sought lord montreville and his daughter stayed only two days at swansea after his departure they travelled in very indifferent spirits to london where they found delamere ill at the lodgings of fitz edward in hill street lord montreville found there was nothing alarming in his son's indisposition but could not persuade him to accompany him to lady mary otley's his lordship and miss augusta delamere set out therefore for that place leaving delamere to the care of fitz edward who promised not to quit him till he had agreed either to go to the norfolk estate or to mr percival's lord montreville was tolerably satisfied that he could not discover emmeline and delamere having for above a fortnight attended at all public places without seeing her and having found every other effort to meet her fruitless reluctantly agreed to go to his father's estate in norfolk it was now almost the end of august and fitz edward after seeing him part of the way took his leave of him and again went to attend his duty in the north of Ireland. End of volume one, chapter eleven.